Five o'clock on the Blitz. Work is over. It's time to let that bird fly. Free that bird, boys. Tulsa, happy Thursday. It is another edition of the show here on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. I am Colby Daniels, along with the 2023 Oklahoma Sportscaster of the Year, Jeremy Poplin, Scott File on the other side of the glass in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio, and Colin Kennedy with SoonersIllustrated.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network, joins us via the Blitz hotline. Colin, happy Thursday, my friend. What's happening? Did everyone bring their caffeine gum for today's events, or did, did all of what we built last week just go to waste? I want to check in real quick. <laughs> well, I had tried it before, Colby. I don't know whether you actually went out and were able to make a purchase. I don't have any on me right now, but you're also talking to a guy that uh, had at least three cups of cold brew this morning. So, I mean, I, I'm, I was going to say, I'm caffeine down. has already burned through them all. Like, we don't need to worry about that. <laughs> I went by a Walgreens and I did not have any luck. And I think you had mentioned a CVS. And I've not made it by a CVS since then. Generally, they're, I, I think most Walgreens and CVS are like on the other side of the street from each other because they're that, that sort of rivalry. But I found maybe the one Walgreens that doesn't have a CVS close. Yeah, there's nothing that screams major drugstores like that awkward tension when they sit directly in front of each other. So I'm pretty surprised you weren't able to locate a CVS considering the, the turf wars they like to force on each other. But for next time, you know, I, I'm not going to call you out for shame or anything, but maybe next time. Yeah, no, I'm I'm disappointed that I wasn't able to to obtain any because it's it's uh, you really piqued my interest with uh, with all of the benefits of caffeine gum. I mean, I was like, look, we're we're in the dead period, all that stuff. We're truly getting into product review territory of the off season. So I was like, we at least are going to check a box real quick while we navigate this part of the uh, of the calendar. But oh well, we'll save the content for later. Ooh, yeah, product review. <laughs> yeah, we want to think about that right now. Um, can we I... can we just draw like? certain products out of a hat and have Colin give us a review of it over the summer. I mean, that truly, might be fun. Like, I, I think we need to file the idea away at the very least. Oh uh, yeah. We might be able to come up with something for sure. <laughs> hey, can I ask you about J.R. Sandlin and what yeah. this kind of means now for Oklahoma moving forward? And I, I want to, I want to squash something right off the top because I saw a number of comments and I get I kind of get the spirit of where they're coming from, but I saw a lot of Oklahoma fans like crapping on this because the dude left them and went to SMU. You kind of need to do some research and find out what SMU is doing behind the scenes and what they're building. Like I know in terms of program stature, that seems like a step down, but JR is going to become an assistant AD and also take over an athletic department that is one of not only the smallest, but one of the richest in the country with their donor base that they have, who's just willing to hand over blank check after blank check. What SMU's building is pretty damn impressive, and he wants to be on the ground floor of something that's new and innovative. It's not a knock on Oklahoma by any means. He just got a hell of an opportunity, and it, it is kind of a big loss for Oklahoma. 
Well, the best way I've been phrasing this is J.R. Sandlin in taking the assistant AD and general manager of SMU football position was him taking a forward-thinking position in a forward-thinking sport yes. at a forward-thinking program, yes. right? I This SMU program, specifically as it relates to football, I truly do not believe that everyone has a full grasp on the sleeping giant that they are right now. And they're starting to sort of turn the heel a little bit. As you've mentioned, this is legitimately an athletics department that when the ACC said, fine, you can be a member of the conference, you just don't get any TV revenue. They went, okay, that that's not a problem. And single-handedly not only funded everything that it took to get into the conference, but have funded an expansion of the staff and athletic department since then in a manner in which we really have not seen. Now, obviously, this is all new times in college football, but as it relates to J.R. Sandlin, these new times create new opportunities, and that's exactly what this chance at SMU provided. I mean, being the general manager in college football is becoming one of, if not the most important position as it relates to the off-field staff. And we saw schools like Vanderbilt get out in front of this early. Why? Because there's probably a lot of smart people at a place like Vanderbilt, and they understood the direction that we're taking. And now the general manager title in college football is one of those coveted jobs that you can go and get. And especially at a place like SMU, on top of the obvious stuff, like prime location to live in your 30s, incredible place obviously to to be around from an actual job execution perspective if you're going to be in the world of recruiting living in dallas is a pretty good spot to be to be residing right but on top of that like an opportunity specifically at a place like smu to oversee the changing times of this sport how it relates to your program the mustangs are going to give jr sandlin every opportunity to succeed and i think in this specific situation, he has a chance to be incredibly successful in a power position. And the last thing I'll say on it real quick, like I think there's a lot of saltiness as it relates to J.R. Sandlin in Oklahoma, potentially, because maybe this came as a little bit of a shock. But also, I think, I don't know, maybe if you subscribe to SoonersIllustrated.com, uh, 30% off the VIP membership or $1 for your first month. Real quick plug. Um, the thing that you knew that I had reported once upon a time is like, Jared Sandlin was one of the first names that I had floated in my way by sources as a potential on-field assistant coach on Jeff Levy's staff. And obviously mm-hmm. Levy went in a different direction, but J.R. Sandlin for a long time has been seen as someone who is going to go on to bigger and better things. And as much as people don't want to admit it, the general manager title at a place like SMU right now is one of the biggest and best things you can be. And so I think for J.R., man, this is an incredible move. I don't think it's a massive loss for Oklahoma, but it is one that you understand in the end all be all. And by the way, being in the vicinity of University of Park and Highland Park doesn't suck. Like if because if you're going to live anywhere in Dallas, you kind of want to live in that area. <laughs> I'm telling, that's what I'm saying, man. It's an awesome place to live. Yes, like, it is. SMU's real pretty, and then you get into Highland Park and all that stuff. I, I look, if I could afford a cardboard box out there, I would, you know what I mean? So. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I mean, the criticism in that arena is just such old school thinking, right? And it's it's 
probably the same people that couldn't understand why Caden Green would leave Oklahoma for Missouri, right? Like it's we're, we're in a new age where just the the overall prestige of a program doesn't outweigh all these other metrics in terms of what you're looking for at your next stop, whether you're a player or a coach or, you know, involved in, in college athletics in any capacity. I mean, look, any preconceived notion that the casual college football fan has that's built on, let's say, historical context is completely out the window. We're starting at ground zero, whether we want to admit it or not. The days of an SMU or a Missouri, for example, being programs that you might dismiss in this sport, complete 180 in terms of how serious you have to take them. And it has a lot to do with what's now becoming the, the driving force of all of this, and that's overall revenue growth and the, the support that can be found through a donor base and things of that nature. And when you think about it, Missouri, that whole state, St. Louis area, Missouri has an incredible alumni base for, and for a very long time, I mean, I be, people forget they, they have been largely successful to a degree. I mean, there was that one stretch where obviously the division was down, but they w- went to three straight SEC championships from the East division. And it is a, it is a state specifically guys that there's a ton of talent in, but a lot of that talent would leave. And that's why when you look at a Missouri things are changing completely because now they're able to hold on to the talent. They're able to retain from within the state and they're able to support the football program in a manner in which they really haven't been able to before. And then of course you get into SMU and it's like the Missouri situation times a million. I mean, again, this is a program that (laughs) let's put it this way. They got the death penalty there for a while for a reason, right? I mean, they were slinging checks left and right back in the day that's now multiplied by a gajillion in this world of college football. And it's only going to get bigger and better. SMU's building a whole new end zone right now, and that's still, again, without any sort of funding through basically the ACC revenue share that they were supposed to get. And now they've basically made it known, we're going to go out and we're going to make even more hires while we make facility renovations and we feature one of the top name image and likeness uh foundations in the country and it's like okay none of this is stuff that we talked about back then but it's now what is shaping the world of college football today and it's why you have to look at certain schools and football programs in a completely different light because as we've discussed things are starting to get evened out a little bit the 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 resources that you can actually apply are now more available than ever and it's now more dependent on the individual program rather than the landscape And if the individual program and the people associated with it are putting in all this effort and finances, it it creates something that just it's hard for people in this current moment to wrap their head around. Colin Kennedy's our guest. So Colin right now with it being the uh, dead period and there's not that much longer that's left on it. uh, You had a story that was posted about Isaiah Gibson, who's in the 2025 cycle, who was at a camp where I believe in Atlanta. Uh, talking about his visit, but this is kind of the opportunity to catch up with some of these guys that have made some visits and kind of find out where they're at here in this early portion of the process. Yeah, first of all, getting out to Atlanta was really important for me. I I wanted to, first of all, get away from the seven-on-seven scene in Texas. I'm getting worn out standing out there in the heat or the cold and seeing the 
80th edition of someone scoring a casual touchdown and then field celebration continues or whatever. But <laughs> the Atlanta stuff for me was like, all right, I've always heard about the Southeast and, and all this stuff. And I was talking about this a little bit on our podcast today. You know, it's one thing to talk about recruiting the Southeast because of this move to the SEC, but it's also like, why? What, what's the added context beyond just, oh, you're going into a new conference it's important to recruit that region. The thing that I've always said in the South Central, so Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, maybe, like you find a really good football player, right? Like you, you're probably around a guy who has had a wide receiver or DB trainer for nine years, plays in an elite program like Duncanville or South Lake Carroll. He's had elite coaching, elite facilities, all this stuff, and that's shaped him into an, a really advanced prospect. The Southeast, the Southeast is just a different level of athlete, a different level of build. And that's where you go to just get truly guys who I saw, they're just creatures. Like, I, I have never seen an assortment of six foot four to six foot five hovering around 250 to 300 pounders all in one place like that ever before in my life. It blew me away. These are the types of players that have fueled winning national championship type seasons for the Georgia Bulldogs, the Alabama Crimson Tide, the LSU Tigers, things of that nature. And those are the players you need to go and recruit. If you're going to go win in the SEC, and you're specifically going to go win along the lines of scrimmage, because as much as we talk about how big and bad and good all these like Texas high school football players are, or Oklahoma high school football players, there are not these big, fast, strong athlete types hovering around this part of the country as much as there are out there in the Southeast, and that camp was a reiteration of this concept. Isaiah Gibson is one of them. I mean, 85-inch wingspan as a junior in high school. Good Lord. I believe he I, – yeah, I just – he walked in, and our director of scouting, as I'm looking around, goes, who on earth is that? <laughs> That's like and, a condor. <laughs> uh, I just – it blew me away. He, he officially weighed in around 260 pounds, and it was like a good 260. It's just, it was like I, I have not seen this type of thing before, really. And um, Isaiah Gibson is one of them. Again, man, you've got to go recruit if you are going to win in the SEC. And just found it interesting. You know, he's, he's talking to me, and he's saying, Oklahoma is one of, one of, if not the school I hear from the most right now in my recruitment. And yet he was donning a Georgia jacket and a Georgia backpack. And it's like, well, this is what OU's up against. I mean, like, you see what the goal is. You see what the mission objective is because the guy's standing in front of you and he's just built like the Terminator. But at the same time, it's like it's time to actually beat some of these contenders in these recruitments who are also going to be facing you on Saturdays because these are the types of players who are going to help you win games against them. So. Isaiah Gibson is, is going to be a really fascinating case study, in my opinion, because, you know, in the 2024 cycle, guys, like we talked so much about that defensive line haul for Oklahoma and how important it was for OU to recruit the defensive front efficiently because that was the first class that was going to take them into the SEC. But, like, okay, it just doesn't stop there, right? Like, OU staff is well aware you can't just, like, wow, we got one of the best defensive line hauls in America. Let's call it a day and go recruit another wide receiver. It's like, no. Now it's time to continue to build off of that momentum. And I think Isaiah Gibson was one he visited before the dead period. I went out there to go see him. And it was a reminder again of like, man, it's going to be tough 
but this type of player that's now kind of in OU's territory, for lack of a better term, is the reason why this move is not only being made, but why they have to go out and recruit these kind of guys in order to maintain program momentum. I know Oklahoma has always had a national uh, reach in terms of recruiting. Is there a more concerted effort to recruit just within that SEC footprint now than there was previously? 100%. I I, I know that Emmett Jones, Jay Valai, and Zach Alley were kind of like on social media or whatever, starting like a Recruit Georgia type of hashtag for the program and I get it. I mean, it may it may look a little bit like, oh, they're just saying stuff to get some retweets. But, like, I truly do think that's a new objective. Because, again, like, that Southeast territory is now available to you, and those Southeast players are the types of prospects that are winning national championships every year. And to further to the, the part of your question that I think is important to, to address, these Southeast players, whether Oklahoma fans want to admit it or not, they really don't know a damn thing about OU football. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't tell you how many guys that OU fans would be like, oh, this guy probably watched OU football every Saturday. Top 150 player in the country would look me in the eyes and say, yeah, I really don't know anything about Oklahoma, but I would like to learn. And that happened again and again and again. But at the same time, it's like Jaden Harmon, who – Six foot one, 215 pounds, safety linebacker hybrid, who I've been calling a heat seeking missile on tape. This guy is like a Brent Venable special, and he's out there in Rome, Georgia, and he doesn't have a Georgia offer yet. And it's like, all right, if you're going to be about it down there, that's the kind of guy you got to go all in and recruit. Or there's a Travis Smith Jr. wide receiver type. There was like three or four dudes down there in Georgia right now in the 2025 class, they're all six foot four, 200 pounder wide receivers. And it's like, again, the freakish athlete, the build and all that stuff down there. Emma Jones is recruiting these types of guys. And Travis Smith Jr. was like, I actually have watched a lot of D.D. Westbrook, C.D. Lamb, Marquise Brown in terms of technique study, but I haven't really casually watched OU football on the weekend. So I want to learn more about the program. So essentially OU is making an effort to recruit this part of the country more and more for obvious reasons, right? The SEC, things of that nature, but then also the caliber of player that's out there. But they have to make this effort. Why? Because if they're going to put all this effort into it, they have to increase recognition and awareness with these prospects as it relates to what they actually know about OU football and what they'll end up knowing once the Sooners become a member of that conference. So, Kala, was it a little bit surprising to you to hear that? I mean, Colby had a point. We were talking about something completely different, but his point on college athletics was uh, in terms of money, there's never enough. Um, You can use that, too, from, like, what you're doing in recruiting. You can spend all the money in the world that you want, um, and Oklahoma's, you know, trying to do that, but – um, they they got catching up to do is basically what I'm hearing you saying. Like in that portion of the country where all these elite level athletes are, and they are considered to be one of the best recruiting universities across the country, and yet look how far behind they are just in that region of the country. I'm really not surprised at all. And, and again, this is another thing that I think the the casual fan isn't going to want to hear. But like me being in the recruiting space for as long as I have, I get to say it people don't understand that a lot of these recruits don't actually really watch football. Yeah. I said it. They don't watch football. Like it pains me to say it, but there are a lot of kids out there these days that will look me in my eyes and be like, I play football. I'm not 
defined by football or like I'm more passionate about anime than I am watching college football. Not even a fan. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, they're not, they're not like us. They're not sitting down where we can be like, man, I wonder what's going to happen between Michigan and Penn state. Like it's the whiteout this weekend. I can't, I can't wait to watch it. No, like there's a kid down in Georgia who is probably in a highly ranked player But again, like it also kind of relates to the part of the country that you're in. If you're not exposed to football as much as some other recruits are, and in general, like they're 15, 16, 17, 18 year old kids, sometimes they just don't want to watch football all day. They've already played it all week or they've gone through practices and they want to go watch anime or hang out with their friends or do whatever else, right? Like this is the part of recruiting that we don't talk about because it's kind of uncomfortable to discuss as it relates to the actual college football fan and the disconnect between them and the recruits that they follow all these football fans and the media members and all this stuff everything we do is built on following the sport and having an in-depth knowledge of it these kids who play on saturdays one day really do not watch the saturday action that takes place now and like i'm not making this as like a whole wide assuming type of statement but, like, this is something that's out there. And so, especially if you're Oklahoma, like, you've got to keep in mind, if that's something that's out there, even in your own backyard, guys in the Southeast who might actually watch football, they still may not know a ton about you because you really haven't been part of that footprint up until just now. So, the SEC move goes into effect July 1st. That's why Oklahoma is making all this effort currently because these recruits – whether we like to admit it or not, there isn't just like this overwhelming buy-in of college football. They're not diehard college football fans. They're actual players that sometimes want to break. And when they're, whenever they're actually in phase and diving into the recruiting process, it's on you to make them understand why you're an elite program and why they're the best fit for them. Well, and to your point, the ones that do watch college football, think about this. Oklahoma has not won a national championship in their lifetime, right? And most of them weren't alive when Nick Saban won a, a national championship at LSU. I mean, they only know this current stretch of, of SEC dominance, really, in their life, and anything outside of that footprint, to me, would seem like a, you know, a foreign country, almost. Yeah, I mean, how many of these kids, especially in that part of the country where OU's now heading into, how many of these kids, honestly, like, ask yourself this, how many of them have watched the USC game? Oh, I, I yeah. seriously, I mean, like, right. how how many of those kids watched watched Washington until the playoffs, or even the national championship game? I truly don't know that there's like a full percentile. Like, it could be point something. You know what I mean? And that's that's hard to talk about, but it's the reality of the situation. And again, we're still talking about guys that are actually watching football. Sometimes, like, if you take the diehard football fandom out of the equation a lot of these kids sometimes may not even know that like a san diego state exists right so I, it's kind of crazy to think about but it relates to what oklahoma now has in front of it because these southeast kids like you mentioned all they've really ever known in today's world of college football is sec dominance when they're actually taking part in it when they're not i mean what level of exposure do you think you're getting it's not a lot and now it's time to make everything up because you're going you're going into this conference, keep in mind, still with the idea that all these kids have 
of the primary powers in the SEC being the best football programs in America, period. Yeah, that's the point I was going to bring up. It doesn't help when you've got the two, you know, 800-pound gorillas in, in Georgia and Alabama that have been as dominant as what they have literally in their backyard. I mean, that's, you know, Atlanta, where you're at, that's a stone thrones a stone's throw away from, from where Georgia's at. And, I mean, uh, th- there's a reason why the depth on their roster is at a, at a level that it's at because they're right there in the middle of it. And now we're talking about LSU really getting back into form. They're recruiting at an elite level right now, are the Tigers. Ole Miss is an incredibly attractive place to go currently in this new age of college football. Not only is Ole Miss winning a ton, but Lane Kiffin is out there. He's fun to play for. The name, image, and likeness program at Ole Miss is incredibly effective. Tennessee is another place that sparked a ton of interest right last year, beating Alabama and That's one of the top NIL programs in the country. Tennessee obviously has a wide-ranging alumni base. Mississippi State, I mean, OU fans aren't going to want to hear this either, but like Mississippi State's an attractive place to be right now because of Jeff Levy coming in and garnering a whole new level of not just excitement, but buy-in, literally, with that fan base. And this was a camp that blended Georgia kids with Alabama kids and Mississippi kids. And, like, that's kind of the conglomerate of programs that they were all discussing as it relates to their current footprint. And so now, like, it's not just on Oklahoma either. It's on both Oklahoma and Texas to somehow not necessarily debunk all this momentum that's already in place with these programs that these kids know, but kind of like kick your own foot in the door, right? Throw your hat in the ring and build up all this momentum in a short amount of time because if you don't, like, you're still going to be fighting an uphill battle against the Georgias, the LSUs, the Alabamas, the Ole Misses, and so on, because they're not going anywhere anytime soon either. I know that uh, it would be incredibly attractive to, to play for an SEC team, but I also think that the new college football playoff format opens the door, I think, in terms of just access to these other conferences for more players to really think longer and harder about maybe going outside the SEC and still having a chance to play college football at the highest level in terms of making a college football playoff and having those those types of marquee matchups? I think there's two parts of this equation, right? Like, it opens the door for further exposure, especially because we're kind of narrowing down the regionality of this sport. Like, there's more crossover between different parts of the country and that's forcing kids to get to know more about other programs so like a midwest kid is going to have to learn more about ucla or a southeast kid is going to have to learn more about oklahoma but i also think in a world where we're kind of getting into super conferences and one or the other or some something to that effect the playoff is an opportunity to go to other programs and have success but also with college football now getting so spread out within its premier programs, I do wonder if we're going to face even more difficulty as it relates to maybe a program in Conference X pulling a recruit from a recruiting territory that's nearby Conference Y. Because suddenly, like let's just say, for example, one of those elite kids in Georgia says, well, I want to go play for Michigan. Now, all of a sudden, that family not only has to figure out how to go from Georgia to Michigan to watch their son play, they also have to figure out a way how they're going to get to the, the in-conference game out at USC. So I just – I almost wonder if we're either heading towards further exposure 
or like greater walls being built up and as far as recruiting territories and trying to hold on to regional talents because like we're just heading into a completely new time in college football. And I don't know what it all is going to look like, but I think that's also something that kids don't really know about yet. And we're heading kind of into a world where they're going to have to start figuring it out. And I think we're kind of heading towards one way or another, a really different recruiting dynamic as it relates to some of the major powers in college football. The uh, last thing that I have on this is um, you just, I think it's interesting you bring up like kids don't know like what the next version of college football looks like in terms of just recruiting. But I mean, it's clear, like even the adults really don't know like what, what the future looks like and that. That kind of compounds everything to me um, that if there's one sport that is the great unknown to me, it's it's college football because so much is just up in the air, whether it's National Labor Board or what the courts are going to rule or what the next version of a college football playoff system looks like. There's just so much that you just don't have any answers to, period, about this thing. I don't know. I mean, we don't know. I Listeners of the Blitz 1170 are smart people, but I don't know if they know. Like we're all kind of in this together in the fact that we don't know. And the scary part about it, I don't want to say it's scary, scary, but like it is kind of a, a little bit of a chiller. Literally like the power players and decision makers and even the actual football players themselves don't know. We don't know what we're in for. Like this all kind of really starts gearing up into full effect over this summer. And even by then, when we're sitting here at five o'clock on a Thursday on the Blitz 1170, I don't know that we'll have even any more answers than we do right now at this time. And so it's kind of the harsh reality of the situation. Everything that we know about college football up until this point is going to completely shift for better or worse in the coming months. And while like, I still love this sport more than anything, and I have a great passion for not just the sport, but how it's built and things of that nature we're heading into unprecedented times and what that means for us at every level. It's, it's fine to say sometimes you don't know. And I just, I truly don't know. Colin, before we let you go, uh, the EA sports uh, NIL deal for college football players, $600 and you get a copy of the game. Uh, seems like a pretty good deal for 99% of college football players, but if you are that star like a, a Caleb Williams, for example, right, or maybe a Jaden Daniels who just won the Heisman, uh, probably a little low, on the low side. Yeah, but also like the deals you're going to be striking in commercials and endorsement signings, like just take your 600 bucks in your video game. Like I get it, but it's also like of everything we got going on, Maybe there's something else for you to worry about, Player X, who wants a gajillion dollars for a video game. And also, like, where are you getting the time to play a video game? I, I would love to. Why are you? Why do you care? I mean, I get it. Like, gaming's a big deal. But, hey, man, it, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. And I don't know that caring about my video game status would be up on the to-do list. But that's that's just me. I I don't have a whole lot going on as it is, right, as much as they do. <laughs> Colin, always appreciate it, my friend. Uh, caffeine gum next Thursday. All right, we'll re- we'll start the product review series next week, whether Pop All likes right. it or not. Oh, so no, we're good. All right, we're good. 
Uh, I can't wait to hear about the travel services to and from Atlanta. By that the, is Colin Kennedy. By the way, dude, they just made the announcement as well. This this is not just like I thought. Not available for Switch. The college football game will not be av- made available for Switch. So yeah, if you haven't shocker. bought a new gaming system in a while and you want to play the college football game, you're going to have to start off with PS5. It looks like I'm not buying a PS5 just so. for the college I football guess I'm game. Just going to miss out. <laughs> I'm going to miss out. Just make it available for Switch, for crying out loud. I mean, until they decide that the PS5 needs to go down to, like, you know, 200 bucks, then, yeah. Get out of here. I think you'll be waiting a while for that one. That's right. Well, I've been waiting a while for the game, so what's a little later? (laughs) All right, we've got to take a timeout. That was Colin Kennedy with 24-7 Sports, SoonersIllustrated.com, joining us via the Blitz Hotline. Pop's got the reins next here on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app.